you for calling the language therapy clinic. For English, press 1. To enroll as a recovering monolingual, keep listening. It was when I was in high school. Um, yeah, sure. Uh, there's a wonderful family. Um, uh, Félix Marciac is the father of the family, and Noël is his wife, and he's a, an expert in our area. He's written countless books on French uh, decorative arts, furniture, sculpture, paintings. Uh, he's really quite a fantastic individual, and he had um, four children and uh, thought very highly of me. And when I was in... 11th grade, I think I was 16, he asked me if I wanted to come and spend a few weeks in Morocco as an au pair. That was Ben Macklow. Now he's the president of Macklow Galleries, a company based in New York City selling French antiques. He is recalling the time when he was a teenager and speaking on the phone with a family friend. The friend was speaking French, and Ben wasn't quite getting it. After all, he was only studying French in high school. Plus, there was another thing. There's a girl in this story, and Ben was in love with her. We had met at an overnight for a college college program um, at Han- Hampshire College in Massachusetts, and it had been months since we'd seen each other, and she said, you know, Ben, if you can't see me during this vacation, even if I have to come to you, if we can't see each other, then there's really no reason for us to try to pursue this long-distance love affair. So what does Ben do? And you know, I just thought that she was the greatest thing since sliced bread, so I said, okay, I'll book a flight. To Knoxville, Tennessee. That family friend, his would-be employer, doesn't appreciate this one bit. Meanwhile, Felix Marciac was depending upon me to come to Morocco and to take care of his kids with it, with him and his wife, and so he was absolutely um, um, livid. And he thought erroneously that it was actually my mother who had discouraged me from going. So he wrote a very um, nasty letter, which I know he now regrets, accusing my mother of being invasive and you know, keeping me from going and all these things, which couldn't have been further from the truth. When my mother found out that I had canceled on the Marciacs and I was going to Knoxville, Tennessee, she could barely speak to me. She was so angry. And, I, and this is an example of when you're speaking somebody to, in their native language and they assume you understand more than you do, it can be a problem. Because I was speaking to him, and he spoke very little English, and I spoke very little French at this time, and I thought that he was sort of asking me in theory, like, does this sound like a nice idea to you? Is this something you'd like to do sometime? Whereas he thought he was booking me for a job. We'll come back to Ben's story, but first, let me welcome you to America the Bilingual a podcast for monolinguals like me who are learning their second language. In this first episode, we're going to hear a story about what can go wrong when you don't quite speak a language well enough and what magic can happen when you do. I'm Steve Levine. Ben is a person who learned his second language the hard way, that is, in school. He wasn't given the gift, which is what I call it when parents or other adults speak to a child from birth to age five or six, when children can learn two or even three languages simultaneously with no real trouble. Although Ben's parents had founded Maclow Galleries selling French antiques, they suffered with a handicap. Uh, neither of my parents speaks a foreign language. My mother knows a few words in French, as does my father, because of their business. And when I was in fifth grade, 
I had my first exposure to the French language. Uh, at uh, I had gone to public school through fourth grade and then switched over to a private school uh, in fifth grade, and they had some French instruction. And it was very ordinary looking back on it. It was, you know, all sorts of vocabulary lists, which is a terrible way to teach language. It's just you learn you end up learning words that are so unnecessary in daily life. I do remember, however, in tenth grade, Mr. Kanganis, who was also not a native French speaker, um, was very encouraging to us to use French as a means of communicating with each other as opposed to just a way to pass a test or read a book. And that's why when I was in college, I actually decided to go to France. Uh, my sophomore year, which was very unusual, my second semester, I just left and took went to Avignon, which is in the you know Provence area of France. And I really went not so much that I loved the program that was I was going to be on, but because I said, if I want to learn French, it's not going to happen in Medford, Massachusetts. It's not going to happen in the way that I've been learning it. So I went there and I was there for five months and I spoke French nonstop. I made all the American kids in my group kind of uncomfortable because I wouldn't speak back to them in English when they spoke to me in English. And I found three or four other kids in my group who were willing to do the same thing. So we were the ones who actually developed real, real proficiency in the language as a result. But I had a headache every day. Ben did what many of us would like to do. He got an immersion experience. And that immersion was instrumental in getting him over the hump and becoming comfortable in French. He told me he wasn't planning on joining his parents' business, but years later, when he did, his French was invaluable. Some of it is just being able to read the French auction catalogs that provide more information than the English translation. But there's more to it than that. One word comes up repeatedly in my conversations with Ben. The word is empathy. Well, I think that it really comes back to empathy. I think that the, the, the way of the world, if we're ever going to stop killing each other, is going to be through empathy. And having to get into another person's shoes and out of your own by learning their language is to me one of the ultimately empathic acts because it's not necessary as an American. So it's a real choice that you're making every day. Ben told me about another well-known antiques dealer in France who passed away. We had written a condolence letter and um, there, we didn't go over for the funeral because we had found out too late, but we got um, a letter in the mail from his daughter. And his daughter was handling... Uh, she was handling his estate, and she did not speak a word of English, uh, but she uh, wrote me in French, and I wrote back to her, and we started a correspondence, and then we started talking on the telephone, and she made it very clear that eventually she needed to sell her father's things, and would we come over and do that? And had I not spoken French, I never would have been given that opportunity, and I never could have navigated um, the emotional waters for her of selling her father's legacy. Uh, she was very smart. She didn't give it away. And she had actually planned to donate quite a lot of it to the French state, which was fantastic. But like any good antique dealer, he had a lot of stuff tucked away in, <laughs> in warehouses that was out of the prying, uh, beyond the prying eyes and hands of the French government. So this was these were the things that she wanted to sell us. And, um, and so it, it was something where when we flew over, uh, my... Um, my language skills and my ability to be empathic made it possible for us to do the deal. Uh, I'm not, I'm, you know, money always is an important and motivating factor for people, but I'm not entirely sure what we could have done what we did without, without my language skills. 
When it comes to learning another language, many of my fellow Americans have said to me, why bother? The whole world speaks English. This is Ben's take on that. It's really easy as an American not to bother learning another language. You don't have a lot of opportunities to practice. It makes you look like a dummy. You could end up saying things that could embarrass you. But all of those things are a part of becoming a better person. I had a chance to speak with Ben's father, Lloyd Macklow, who told me how he had tried to learn French but failed, and how his son's proficiency has made all the difference in their business. Ben now has two sons of his own, ages three and one, and Ben is speaking French to them. He is giving his boys the gift. I asked him what he hopes for his sons. I hope that they'll each speak several languages. Uh, my, my, my greater hope for them is that they'll be global citizens and that they'll be people who feel comfortable um, being amongst uh, people of different cultures and different religions, different political points of view, uh, different nationalities. And one of the ways that I believe that they will be able to do that is by speaking languages other than English. And uh, so certainly it's very much part of the plan. And remember the story at the top of the show, that trip to Morocco that never happened? But even bad experiences like this are part of learning a language and are part of um, why I think it's so great. Because now Felix and I are very dear. I'm best friends with one of his kids. And, um, you know, he's, a, he's an important person in my life. So he's certainly forgiven me. Ben has felt the pain of not being proficient in a language and the great joys that come with fluency. Ben was able to get his immersion experience relatively young in life. But as we'll hear in future episodes, it's never too late to get your own immersion, even if your immersion is mostly digital. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Ben is also lucky to be able to use his French every day in his business. At an antique show in Palm Beach, I was able to listen in to his conversation with a colleague from Monaco named Veronique Bamps. So tell me something honestly. Yes. How is his French? Fantastic. And I was talking about his French with his mom this morning, and she told me that he spent only five months in France, in Avignon, I think. And uh, it's, it's incredible how he speaks. And I will tell you something else. He writes very well. And a lot of native French-speaking people don't write very well. Uh, let me ask you this. His French is excellent. Can you tell he's not a native French speaker? Oh, yes. Yeah, of course. Yes, he has, a, he has an accent. What kind of accent? Not really an English accent, it's a foreign accent because he's capable of saying the ah. Uh huh. Can you say and that again? Ah. The air. Uh huh. The air. And that's hard for. The New York. Uh huh. <laughs> you see? <laughs> New York. New York. Yeah. He's flashing. And he's capable. We'll talk saying. more about accents in future episodes when you might want to improve yours and when not. Although we will cover many languages in America the Bilingual, in our next episode, we'll hear from another native English-speaking American who became fluent in French, but following a quite different path. (music) 
A shout out to America's hardworking language teachers. The American Council on the Teaching of Foreign Languages, their acronym ACFL is easier to remember. The leadership of ACFL provides necessary encouragement to the small team that produces this podcast. This episode was written by me, Steve Levine, and our producer, Fernando Hernandez, who also does sound design and mixing. Our editorial consultants are Maya Thomas and Mim Harrison. Research assistance is from Alma Flores Perez. Our graphic arts are created by Carlos Plaza and Ruth Kim. Music in this episode by Kevin McLeod and Jason Shaw under a Creative Commons license. You can find more information about this episode at americathebilingual.com. And if you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. It will help other recovering monolinguals find this show. Thanks for listening. For America the Bilingual, this is Steve Levine.